welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and it is officially Rivals Week. The 49ers host the Seahawks in a pivotal NFC Best Divisional matchup. And here to remind us not to forget about Dre, it's David Newman. Yeah, I mean, don't do it. Don't forget about him. But are we talking about Dre Kirkpatrick? We're talking about Dr. Dre. This I mean, you can forget about Drake Kirkpatrick for sure. Like, <laughs> don't give any brain space to that man at all. Yeah, it is. It's official. We have a uh, we have a halftime show that maybe won't suck, and that's exciting. Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, Eminem, lots of things. I'm excited about that halftime show. We'll see if it actually I lives mean, up to. So it, on the surface, it sounds exciting, but like in typical NFL fashion, even when they go rap, they go with old people. Well, yeah, like, of course. You got to you gotta stay still below the no fun line oh, and they're going to bleep on, out man. all the things and, you know, the, they've been scared since the Janet Jackson boob incident. You know, they've, they've stayed away from wardrobe malfunctions. It's yeah. great. Uh, all right, let's get to a couple of housekeeping items. If you are watching us on the live stream, that means that you are a patron. Thank you. You are amazing. You've purchased a beer for us. Uh, David has turned that beer money into boxed wine. We're not going to hold it against him. It's okay. To be fair, I didn't use y'all's money for this. I paid $0 <laughs> for this. This was brought to my house, and you know what? It was here, and it's fine. <laughs> Um, but we've got, uh, we had a good video this week that we posted about D'Amico Ryan's scheme, how that performed against the Packers. If you're interested, definitely give that a watch, do videos every week. It's a lot of fun. We get to break it down. We get to show you what we're talking about on the show. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's most housekeeping stuff. Uh, the schedule this week was a little messed up because of the Monday night game, but we're back to normal. We're back to Sunday night, 7 PM, Thursday night, 8 PM, uh, central for those of you keeping track of time zones. Uh, and so that's that's the schedule. Uh, as long as we don't have any more primetime games, that's going to be it. Uh, so, all right, David, let's get to it. Um, yes. New additions. Feels like an every week thing. Son of a bitch. New player that we've signed. Uh, K1 Williams is out for a few weeks with a calf strain. And I feel like he had something going on with his calf last year or something was going on with his lower extremities at one point last year. I forget exactly what. But the Niners didn't carry another nickel corner on the roster early on this year. So either yeah. they were banking on his health or it was just some kind of strategic thing. In the past, I feel like they've counted on DJ Reed or like a hybrid safety nickel type player. But this year, they don't have really anyone. They didn't really have that on their roster. Is that weird? Or is that, or, and now, cause now they're just, you know, they're bringing in Buster Screen. Yeah. And, and that's the, the recent signing. I mean, I, I think, so I, I think it comes down to, to one, you can't, right? Like some we've talked about a bunch, you can't be deep everywhere, right? And so you, you do have to kind of pick and choose your spots. And, and I think with the secondary, right, we know that that's not necessarily a focal point for them in terms of roster spots defensively. And I think they kind of like the versatility that they have with a few guys. So I think there there are options there that if, yeah, K1, right, it becomes unavailable, um, you can do things like potentially put Jimmy Ward down there a little bit. Like maybe we see more of that three safety package, right? Where you, you put Jimmy Ward down in the slot a little bit, you bring Funga on and basically play him with, with Tart is your two safeties. Um, and you can kind of roll that way. Right. So I think they can do some different things with the guys that they have and that they want to be out on the field anyway. And, and I'm sure that kind of went into their thinking in terms of, you know, the 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 exact guys in the secondary they're going to keep and and also specifically not having somebody 
uh, that they feel overly comfortable with playing in the slot that, or that like looks clearly as a, a slot backup. Um, and I think even Lenore, right? Like, I mean, they, they've shown that they will put him down in the slot too. So I think they have options yeah. and they're just going to be good enough with that. Well, now it's buster screen time. He's got 92 career starts. He hits that veteran checkbox that the Niners seem to love when they're cycling players through the defensive backfield. He's played exclusively in the slot, well, nearly exclusively in the slot over the last three years. Shanahan, interestingly enough, said that he's played both inside and outside. And yeah, he played outside, but he played outside like four years ago. And the last three years have really all been inside in the slot. And and overall, it's not, you know, it's not been great. I think his his biggest calling card is that he's got 16 pressures over the last four years. I don't think he had any last year. So really at 16 pressures in three years. And the Niners love to bring a nickel off the off the edge. So maybe I don't know about he's just you, the but blitzer. I I love for the first thing to mention about my corners is their pass rushing ability. Personally, like that's just kind of hey gets me going. Got to win somewhere. You got to win somewhere. And the Niners, like you know what they like to bring a little a little corner pressure, a little little nickel fire zone. They love that. It's one it's one of their favorites. Um, the one thing about him though is that he did miss the the last four games of 2020 with a concussion. And that was the sixth confirmed concussion of his career. So if you're thinking about injury health and you're thinking about <laughs> worrying about whether he's going to be able to hold up, um, you know, that, that definitely jumps off the page when you're doing a little buster screen research. My guy, enough is enough. All right. You don't have to keep doing this. Yikes. I, I, I think the most notable thing about him, though, is that he was drafted in the fifth round. And go. that means and that, that means that now as a 49er, he's going to be an absolute steal. He's going to perform. He's going to overperform because he's going to find a little bit of that fifth round magic dust. It uh, it's it's I don't know that he's going to be able to play even in this game. It's it's going to be too quick of a turnaround yeah. um, uh, to, to do much of anything in this game. He's not going to play a ton of snaps. So if he doesn't play then the two players that are likely going to get called up to play on the outside are maybe Ambry Thomas and Drake Patrick. And that means that you'll probably have, you know, maybe Lenore, Lenore in the slot. And that's probably how they're going to roll. They're going to have Mosley and then maybe Drake Kirkpatrick on the other side or Josh Norman if his lung magically stops bleeding into his chest, uh, which I still think is nuts. Dude's day to day with a lung contusion. It's still crazy, but makes um, no sense. It's, it's, it's dicey. It's still dicey in that secondary. Right. It doesn't, I mean, but this was kind of, uh, I, I mean, obviously we hoped that it wouldn't come to this, but you kind of always knew that it was going to, right? I mean, they, they just didn't, um, put much effort in, into kind of adding depth and adding pieces to the secondary outside of, you know, I, I, I mean, they got Thomas and, and Lenore of course in the draft, but, um, you know, it, it's tough to rely on rookie mid round picks to come in and, uh, you know, really, be quality players in the back end. I mean, it feels like they've gotten very lucky with Lenore and, and what he's been able to do so far early this season. So yeah, I, I think it's just, uh, it's tough because injuries are going to be inevitable and, and it feels like they've got a group of guys there that um, tend to, to find their way on that injury list. And it, it's just, yeah, that they're going to have to hopefully continue to, to do some magic back there and in, in terms of what they're able to do schematically. And, and I think, you know, generally keeping things relatively simple and, in hoping that they can just not 
throw too much at these guys, right? And keep the assignments simple and, and hope that they don't have any major breakdowns and, and if they can prevent some big plays and, and just live with giving stuff up underneath, like they'll probably be happy with that. And it's going to be a tough test now because the Seahawks offense is not the same three yards in the cloud of dust offense that really we've been used to as Niner fans. It's a lot of running the ball. It's a lot of inefficient play calls from Pete Carroll or whomever is coordinating the offense under the direction of Pete Carroll. And then some bombs and some ridiculous play from Russell Wilson. Their offense now is actually cooking in a way that it hasn't before. And and it really is must win time for the 49ers because this is a really, really pivotal divisional game. The Seahawks are wounded. They are not performing as well as they would hope. Uh, they're coming in really in a must-win situation, and I think the Niners are in a must-win situation as well. And this is probably the most vulnerable, I feel like, the Seahawks have been against the Niners in a long time. And, and so I feel like it's a game that the Niners, especially based on how the Seahawks have been playing lately, can win, but they're going to have to play really, really well, especially on defense to do it. Right. I think, I mean, that's kind of the scary, it, it feels like a game, um, which there haven't always been a lot of, uh, these San Francisco Seattle games that, uh, feel like they could turn high scoring. Right. But this one very much has that feel to me of, of like, it, it just seems like both defenses are in a pretty tough position right now. And even though the Fort Niners offense has been struggling, I mean, Seattle's defense is, is we'll kind of get to and talk about later is, is been in pretty rough shape as well. So yeah, it, it just, I mean, this is obviously, uh, a stretch of games that we knew was going to be difficult headed into the bye, and um, this divisional game is going to be incredibly important in their ability to, uh, you know, be, stay relevant in the playoff picture. And and so, yeah, it's wild that we're already kind of thinking that far ahead in week four, but it's kind of kind of where we're going to be. I, I think you have to at this point, and and with the forty with the forty with Seattle's offense, their offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, who came off of the McVeigh tree is calling up some good plays and he's got Wilson playing you know kind of a little not better than he normally does because he's generally really good but he's able to take advantage of some of what Wilson does really really well and and really get some kind of you know some extra juice out of this offense uh, I think when we were doing some prep David you said that the the Seahawks have one of the highest open rates in terms of wide receiver targets in in the NFL be single. So Russell Wilson has, yeah, the highest percentage of open throws so far this season of any quarterback. Um, about, I think it was a little uh, over 62% of his passes have been to open receivers so far, which is a pretty absurd amount. And and on the other end, like, yeah, the 49ers haven't seen quite the same uh, frequency of those open throws as I think we've kind of been accustomed to under Shanahan. I mean, I think Jimmy was hovering more middle of the pack around 50%, but yeah, it, it is quite, uh, it feels like quite a change for the Seattle offense to where they're doing things. Cause yeah, it, it always felt like, especially in the passing game, they kind of succeeded in spite of what they were doing schematically, right? Just because you have Russell Wilson doing incredible things. You have, uh, some very talented receivers on the outside there and Metcalf and Lockett. And, and so they were just kind of able to create things, uh, between with the talent that they have there. And, and of course the big plays were uh, a huge part of that and their ability to kind of stretch defenses vertically. So yeah, it, it, it is, a, it feels a little scary going against a Seattle offense that, you know, um, isn't just going to do everything they can to get in their own way. You know, one of the things that the Niners are generally good at doing because of Fred Warner is defending the intermediate middle of the field. 
Fred Warner's really good at carrying crossers. He's really good on play action. He's always in the right spot. He's always getting depth as a linebacker, even though we wished he would have gotten five more yards uh, against Green Bay. Uh, but I still don't put that entirely on him. I think he did the good thing as a team captain to say, you know what, if you're going to point fingers, point at me. But I mean, he's he's 20 yards deep. I feel like he's he's okay. Um, but what Russ doesn't like to do, Russell Wilson, is he doesn't like to throw into the mid- intermediate area of the field. He likes to stretch the defense out up to the sidelines and deep, whether it be deep middle or deep shots. And it just feels like those are the most vulnerable parts of the 49ers defense. Like you don't want to throw it against the Niners in the middle. You want to throw it to the edges. And that's what Russell Wilson does, likes to do, and has been doing well so far, even though they come in with a losing record. Right. I think the 49ers defense right now is kind of that rare. I mean, usually most defenses are going to be worse in the middle of the field, worse in that intermediate level, because that's linebacker territory, right? Like that's uh, the the area where your typically worst coverage defenders live in the defense. And and so, yeah, I think between that, between play action, um, you know, a lot of offenses find a lot of success in that area of the field. And, and it is, uh, in the case of the 49ers defense, really their clear strength at this point. I mean, having Fred Warner in there, um, I think having the safeties that they do is is definitely the strong part of their secondary at the moment um, with, with Ward and Tart in the middle of the field there. So, yeah, that is the area that they feel most solid. And then when you start looking at teams that are pushing more wide and pushing more to the sidelines and looking to to kind of isolate a little bit more, you get pretty worried about the idea of, of DK Metcalf going against some of these corners against Tyler Lockett going against some of these corners. And yeah, I think that's kind of what they've been able to do is, is really, I mean, obviously Wilson has an incredible arm. He can make throws to any level of the field. And, and so they're able to take advantage of that and really kind of create more of these isolation opportunities on the outside and, and kind of uh, just pick apart some of these, these outside cornerbacks so far this season. Yeah, I think you're going to see a couple of really good shots to Tyler Lockett. I mean, if if Seattle has learned anything from what they saw against the Packers, they should just begin to spread the Niners out and start to do a lot more in that regard and basically just run Tyler Lockett from the slot and, and run him on either slot fades or run him wherever you need to because, I mean, it feels like Russell Wilson for a few years has been very, very good at throwing those slot fades, especially against the Niners. And if that's going to give you trouble, if you're opening to empty, um, then it, it feels like they are another team that can begin to take advantage of that. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's a little concerning uh, the way the 49ers have been handling those situations so far, right? When you, when you think about how their depth is just kind of continuing to erode there a little bit. And I, I do think they're going to need to come up with a different answer than kind of this heavier man coverage that they've been going in these critical third down situations. I think they're going to have to start to figure something else out because I just don't think they've got the the guys there that can execute that anymore. Right. And so it's kind of this, this difficult thing because uh, on one hand, Wilson has been just absolutely incredible against zone coverage so far this year. So like when, when you look at his splits, a man versus zone, uh, it is, it is very, very different. Basically in anything you want to look at, they're like top five when going against zone defenses, whether that's EPA per play, whether that's his passing grade, his adjusted completion percentage, all of that stuff through the roof. Um, you know, when, when going against zone coverage and then when you go against man coverage, it's, 
it's all down towards the bottom quarter of the league, right? In that kind of like 24th and, and later area. Um, and so they haven't been as successful going against man coverage, but man, it, it just feels like a tough ask for the secondary right now to go against some of these weapons that they have and, and be isolated against them, right? So um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the right answer is there. I don't know when you're kind of trying to... Um, look at, at that and the personnel that they have defensively, right? What direction do you kind of lean into? Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it would be pretty ballsy of D'Amico Ryans to continue to lean into that man coverage, um, even though I, I would understand why, considering the struggles that Seattle's offense has had so far. The one thing that may ultimately help the Niners, though, is that they have traditionally done well against, granted, the Jared Goff-led McVeigh offenses. And the concepts that they're going to be seeing, things like drift, those intermediate shots, the wide zone play action, are things they see all the time in practice. They're things that are off of the Shanahan tree. And I think there is something to be said about being familiar with the concepts that a team is going to throw at you, helping you look prepared um, to to face them uh, when Sunday comes. So hopefully that gives the Niners defense a little bit of an edge. But if, if you flip over to the defense for Seattle, and, and this is where they're most vulnerable, the reason that they seem so vulnerable in this game against the Niners is because that defense is incredibly vulnerable. The Niners may have dodged a bullet by not hanging on to Ken Norton at this point. Because at this point, Ken Norton is not is not doing well. Uh, in the past yeah. two games, the Seahawks have been outscored 33-6 to in the second half and overtime. And against the Vikings, Seattle ran just four offensive plays in Minnesota territory during the second half. Um, it is it's generally not been good for Seattle in the second half of games, and it's in large part because of their defense. It It's not a great situation for them defensively, I think. From from a scheme standpoint and from a personnel standpoint, I mean, really, it, you know, you've got obviously Jamal Adams there and, and Bobby Wagner, um, but that defense is lacking for talent outside of those two players. And even Bobby Wagner hasn't really looked all that great, right? He hasn't looked, he hasn't been terrible necessarily, but he he certainly hasn't been the Bobby Wagner that I feel like we're we're used to, right? And so. Uh, yeah, it just, it's been a struggle for them. I think when you look at them schematically, they're still, I, I feel like they haven't adjusted as much as some of the other defenses that have kind of spawned from that system, right? You look at all of the, the teams that had assistance that left Seattle and went on to do things like it, it feels like they've adjusted enough to where they're not just sitting back in, in single high all the time and, and playing heavy cover three so much. Um, but that's kind of still what Seattle is doing. I mean, they uh, are, are still in single high snaps. Uh, it's like over 61% of the time. Um, they have the second highest percentage of cover three snaps within that. Um, it, it nearly half of their defensive plays. So that's still very much a part of what they're doing. And this the personnel is no longer, you know, Legion of Boom quality, right? And, and so there yeah. are just a lot of gaps that you're finding there. Cause I think right because of uh, I mean, really the su success that Seattle had with that system teams and, and offenses have just gotten very comfortable with the weaknesses of that defense and, and how to attack those looks. And, and if you don't have some adjustments off of it, 
you're going to be in for some some hurt, and, and I think that's kind of where they've been. I mean, the linebacker situation has been difficult. The outside corner situation has been difficult. And, and so, yeah, they're just, uh, especially from a pass defense perspective, have been in, in really rough shape, and there's a lot of space, I think, that can be found there in the middle of the field. Two things really jumped out when we were watching um, them it, before when we were doing some show prep. One was just Jordan Brooks, their line, their first round linebacker, because uh, they have one of those uh, against play action. He just everything that he saw, he was flying towards, um, and that's not that's not in not a good, good way. Yeah, yeah, not not a good way. There's a play against the Titans where the Titans. I mean, it basically it looked like a play ripped right out of the, the Niners playbook, where you just fake wide zone. The quarterback pulls up and throws a quick little glance route into the middle of the field. I mean, then we've seen the Niners do this. And Jordan Brooks, as soon as he sees the line in a zone block out to one side, he just flies forward. And of course, Tannehill just throws the ball right behind him. It's super easy. It's pitch and catch. Uh, and then against the Vikings. You know, it's it's a boot action. And it's like, you know, it's the Vikings. They're going to run a bootleg at some point. You have yeah. to be ready for this. And he just bites so hard on the wide zone. It feels like if not, if Shanahan's going to pick on someone, it's it's going to be Jordan Brooks. Uh, and, and then the other is, as you mentioned, it is they're still a cover three team. And they're going to show you that they're playing cover three. And they're not going to rotate out of that cover three. They have played the same coverage shell that they show pre-snap on 88.2% of their defensive snaps. That's the third highest in the NFL. What you see is what you get. And unfortunately, based on their talent level, what they got may not be enough to stop the Niners. Yeah, I, I think it is, uh, you know, in watching kind of tape of that Seattle defense, it, it's very encouraging as a 49ers fan to see the success that that Tennessee and Minnesota had, right? Because you're watching them run plays that you're like, yeah, I mean, that could might as well be straight out of the 49ers playbook, right? If it's not uh, the exact concept, of, like the 49ers have something incredibly similar to to these plays that are finding success against this defense. And so, yeah, I, I think they are certainly set up. There, there are not going to be a lot of excuses for the 49ers offense if they struggle in this game because I think from a talent perspective, they should have an advantage. From a scheme perspective, they should have an advantage. And, and it's just, I think, a matter of, uh, taking advantage of the opportunities that are given because it really feels like they're going to be there. They're going to find more of that sweet spot, at least in the passing game that they had in week one, right? Where, where it just kind of feels like everything is flowing uh, well and, and it feels like things are clicking. And, and even if Jimmy isn't totally accurate, right? Like you should have enough space there where you can get it on him, and it kind of ends up what, what they've been doing for the last couple of years. This has got to be a Jimmy bounce back game, doesn't it? Like it just feels like if if he's gonna have a good game, this this is gonna be where it starts, and and then it's and then it's like yes, Jimmy Garoppolo is finally the quarterback, not named Nick Mullins, to beat Seattle, um, and and I guess Nick Mullins still carries the the crown of beating them in Seattle, but you know Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo, he has you know he's got some ground to make up against old no Nick Mullins, Mullins, that Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> no Nick Mullins, that's what you're trying to say here. <laughs> that is not what I'm trying to say entirely. But the the part of the reason that I think that this has got to be a Jimmy bounce back game, in addition to just the the Seattle giving them static pre snap looks and their coverage not being super great. But it, the other thing is that they're not really a plus coverage a plus pass rush team right now. The thing that often will get to Jimmy is if he starts feeling pressure, it's just feeling comfortable in the pocket. I mean, this is why the Philadelphia Eagles are always a tough a tough out for the Niners. 
And and that's not where Seattle's at right now. They're a little worse than league average in pressure rate right now. I think they're at 33, 35% is about league average. And normally their their answer to that's Jamal Adams, the guy they traded all these assets for. And they're not really using him in that same capacity this season um, because he's just, you know, they're trying to play him more as a traditional safety. And and that's not really what Adams does incredibly well. Right. I, I think, yeah, once you get got rid of Clowney from that defensive line, right, there's not a whole lot there that scares you. And, and it even seems like uh, a lot of times they're they're choosing to actively just be like, okay, we don't have much of a pass rush right here, so we're going to even drop extra guys into coverage. I mean, when we were going through, you know, a lot of their cover three stuff and and trying to see what was giving them problems, um, you know, there were a lot of snaps that were mixed in there where suddenly they're, like, dropping an end out. Like, they're dropping eight, right? They're only rushing three, and three they're rushing are really more interior, like, D-tackle type guys, right, Where, where they're just not looking to generate pressure, right? It's more just like, okay, we're going to kind of push the pocket, get these guys, you know, like, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, some late pressure there or something like that. But really the focus is we're going to get an extra guy back into coverage. We're going to try to give some help there. And it, I mean, even that wasn't working. Right. But yeah, it does feel from Garoppolo's standpoint, like hopefully a game where he should be a bit more comfortable, right? Like I, I think, especially once you start to factor in, um, you know, the things that San Francisco's offense is going to do in order to help him out there. And, and just in, in terms of all the play action stuff and, and being able to move the pocket some and, uh, doing those types of things on top of Seattle, not having really any individual pass rushers that, that scary a whole lot. I mean, Carlos Dunlap is, is decent, but I mean, on, on his own, you know, there's not a whole lot there that I think you need to be too concerned about, especially with the, the tackles the 49ers have. So, yeah, it feels like a game that he should be able to be uh, a bit more comfortable back there. You're you're forgetting about the free agent acquisition that unlocks this entire thing for the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to be Kerry Hyder. Oh, How could you forget about Kerry Hyder? <laughs> How could I? I mean, you're you're right. Yeah. Uh, how could I possibly forget? Just a Gary Hyder. I'm glad he got paid like because I am pro players getting paid. Um, yeah, of but course. he he is not he is not the answer. I'm glad someone else paid him money because uh, he he is not necessarily the answer, and he hasn't been for Seattle so far this season. They they just they don't seem to have a lot of juice and uh, in the pass rush arena that you that Jamal Adams, but they're trying to play him at safety. Um, and I, I think this year at safety. 38% of his snaps have been aligned as the free safety where that was just 16% for Seattle in 2020. Um, so like doubling more than doubling his rate of trying to play safety. This is not what he does. I think Greg Cassell had a, a pretty damning quote today. And and he said something to the effect of like Jamal Adams is like an average player and you have to change your defense to get the most out of him, but it makes your defense worse overall. Um, it was, it was rough stuff from our, from one Mr. Greg. Cassell, I mean, but. Greg Cassell, one of, uh, Never mind. I'm not gonna cut there. You, you and this Aaron Banks thing. You and Greg Cassell and Aaron Banks. You're always. I mean, I'm always. just saying. Like Greg Cassell uh, gets held up as like this gold standard in football analysis. And like, look, the the dude undoubtedly uh, does a lot of work. And and I'm not trying to like totally shit on him. But like, <laughs> look, he can be wrong just like anyone else. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so I, I think the the final bit is that the Seattle Seahawks have allowed the sixth highest rate of open throws. 
So the Seattle offense is really good at generating open receivers, especially to the areas of the field where the Niners are vulnerable. And their defense has allowed the sixth highest rate of open throws. And the 49ers have a talent advantage and should be able to make Jimmy feel comfortable enough to have one of his good Jimmy Garoppolo performances. Overall, this looks like it could be another one of those high-scoring games, which this is now the third week in a row that those that are listening have heard us say this could be a high-scoring game. We've been right one. I certainly was wrong against Philadelphia. Is it third week? Yeah, it was Philadelphia. I thought it was going to be a little bit more high-scoring, and then Green Bay, and now and Yeah, now I mean, this. it really so we'll took see. This is the last, rubber match. Like, last week was like, okay, maybe. It, it felt like we, you know, the, the offense after week one, it, it was just like, they were going to continue to be sort of Jimmy proof, right? Where it was just like, yeah. okay, even if he's not great, right? Like they're just going to find a way to be able to put points on the board. And and I think we've seen that that's not totally true right now. Um, and, and where they're at offensively over the last two games has been uh, certainly in a much worse spot. And, and I think, yeah, it, it does give you a, a bit more doubt as to the offense's ability to just go out there and, and kind of have this this high baseline of what you can expect them to do uh, in terms of success and putting points on the board, right? So, yeah, I, I think um, it's it's it, it's tough because it comes down to the quarterback, I believe, in, in this game. Like, it does so much, right? Like, I mean, I think there's so many similarities that you look at, right, that we've talked about defensively and, and kind of the struggles of each team and where each team is doing a little bit better. Um, but when you, you get down to it and it's who do you feel is most likely to take advantage of the other defenses weak spots? Like, are you ever going to pick Jimmy Garoppolo over Russell Wilson there? Like, I mean, right now it's, it's kind of hilarious. You look at their big time throw rate and turnover worthy play rate. And they're basically the inverse of each other. Russell Wilson, big time throws, as you would expect, uh, hasn't had a single turnover worthy play so far this season. So you, you just, it feels like, right, the way he's playing, the way this offense is clicking, uh, they're not going to do anything to shoot themselves in the foot against a, 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 a weaker 49ers defensive unit, right? Whereas Jimmy Garoppolo is the complete opposite. He has yet to have a big-time throw down the field and has one of the highest turnover-worthy play rates in the NFL so far this season. And so he's the one that you could very much envision having kind of a dumb mistake that gives that Seattle offense an extra opportunity. So I think, you know, again, it, it's at home, and and I definitely want to believe that the 49ers can win this game and will win this game, but that kind of scares me. I, I think it'll be closer um, than maybe we, we want to hope for. I, d- I don't think the Niners cover. I think right now it's Niners as three-point favorites. This yep. is the first time in a long time, I feel like, that Seattle has been uh, a road underdog to the Niners specifically. And and that's that's uncharted territory. We'll see if the Niners can do it. I don't think they cover. I think it's a close game, but I do think it's a high-scoring game. What's the over-under on this game? Uh, the it total is, is at 50? 52. 52. Yep. Um, yeah, I feel like it could... I feel like it could... It could approach that. I don't know if it'll clear 52, but... Um, you know, I guess it depends on what we're calling high scoring. Hey, yeah, for the I mean, it, it should be around there. I mean, uh, for what it's worth, PFF Greenline uh, sets their own over-under, right, um, based on kind of the team's performance so far, and, and they've got the over-under set at uh, just shy of 51. So it's they would kind of lean more towards that being under the, the 52 total. But, yeah, I, I think, I mean, both defenses right now, I think, are the clear 
weak spot of each team. And so, um, I mean, I, I don't want to think too much about a world in which Seattle comes in and blows the 49ers out because they, uh, San Francisco can't get anything going offensively. And that's why the, the point total is lower than, um, we would think it is, but yeah, I, I think there are going to be points from Seattle and it's, it's just going to be a matter of whether San Francisco can keep pace. All right, well, that does it for the preview episode. As we're hitting the outro music, as we are going out, I want to ask you, David, um, that we have the the term derby in soccer, in football, if you will, the other football. um, Mm -hmm. That is a effectively cross town or very close regional rival. Um, We don't in football, you don't really have things like derbies, but I feel like we need a term for the rivalry. Like it's just just a rivalry, division rivalry. Just sounds so blah, right? We need like a term, but derby wouldn't make sense because. I feel like, you know, the Pacific Northwest and Northern California are too far away for it to be considered a derby. Um, so we need something. We need some kind of a term. Like, it's, it's derby weekend. Yeah, it's a derby, but like, it's, you know, it's tough because, what, the Premier League, probably every team in the Premier League resides in an area that's like uh, one division, right, um, in, in the NFL. So it's like everybody in general is just a lot closer. So... Yeah, I feel like Seattle, like if anything is going to qualify, something like Seattle, San Francisco has to. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. It's it's so hard to get rivalry out of my head because that's just kind of what's ingrained in there, and that's what it's been growing up, and and that's just kind of the first word that pops to mind. But I don't know. Do you, do you got anything better? No, than that? I've got nothing. Yeah. We put rivals in the title. Okay, <laughs> we put rivals literally in. <laughs> The title. This is the best I got, uh, right? A, I'm, I'm looking point. at you for answers. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing for you. Yeah, I think that's it's got to be it. That's just what it is. We'll live with that. All right. That's well, fun. you know what? If you if you have an answer, if you're listening right now, if you're on the live stream, let us know what you think it should be other than Rivalry Week. Something catchy, something fun. Who works in marketing? We've got to have something that works in marketing. We'll figure it out. Um, thanks for tuning in this week. You can catch the live stream as it happens on the Patreon. The podcast drops the day after. Everywhere you get your podcasts. David, tell them about the Patreon because it's been a lot of fun chatting with you knuckleheads on the Discord. Patreon.com slash better rivals. Head there, buy some beer. It's steel. Five dollars. This hot content that we're pumping out on a weekly basis right now. All right. The live streams of the pod, uh, weekly breakdowns. We've got the Discord going. That's been a lot of fun. So you can uh, really come in there, have a good time, interact with us on game day, avoid the Twitter bullshit you know that is just kind of annoying to deal with um most of the time and yeah come hang out with us it's been a lot of fun uh speaking of twitter you can follow me on twitter because i still post there every now and again (laughs) at better rivals (laughs) thanks again for tuning in and as always go niners (laughs) 